welcome Tam to the Passion Break podcast. I'm super excited to have this conversation. <laughs> yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you. Yeah, I wanted to tell for everyone who is here, like listening to this episode the first time, that actually Tamara was the first person that I had a podcast episode with. And we recorded it in Portugal, remember? I remember now. I forgot that. I was the first one. Yes, I remember we talked about constellations. Oh, we were such babies back then. Yeah, it was like the first episode. I remember I was like a bit tense. I was like, how this is gonna go? But it was really good episode. And it's actually, I think it's still in the top 10 most listened episodes, even if it was the first one. So we did good. (laughs) Amazing. Um, so before we start this conversation, I wanted to ask you three questions that I ask like all of my guests. Mm-hmm. So are you ready for these questions? Yes. The first one is, what is your favorite dessert? <laughs> <laughs> ice cream. I think I remember I said this in the first episode too, but I think it's ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah ice cream forever. Mm-hmm. But is it like a gelato or is it more like a Ben & Jerry style? No, no, it's a gelato. Like a really mm-hmm. good artisani gelato is what I really, really like. Um, yeah, and everything creamy. Like I'm not the fruity type, so it should be either chocolate or milky or like pistachio or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, pistachio is also like the the one that I always go for. Yeah. Okay. Then the next question is that if you could take only one person with you to deserted island. Who would it be and why? Well, obviously my boyfriend, <laughs> just because um, he's the most fun person to be around for me and the most mm-hmm. safe person to be around. And I just trust him with almost everything. So I know that he would just take care of everything else there. <laughs> like he would find like I love his creativity in life in general. So he would find super creative ways to to save us. I I don't even need to think one second about it. <laughs> That's actually really good. I was thinking about that. I was saying like I would actually take my best friend because I was like maybe we're gonna die because I don't think we neither of us know how to survive in nature. <laughs> but we would die for laughing, you know? So it's like that's good. <laughs> Exactly. So that. the last question is that if you could add any subject to the school curriculum around the world, what would that subject be? Well, obviously, it would be emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And with emotional intelligence, I really mean oh, giving people finally this education of what it means to be a human being with emotions, right? How does our relationship work? What does it mean? Why do you act in certain way you act, right? Just giving the knowledge is, I think, one of my biggest passions in this world because I really believe that a lot of suffering out there is just out there because people just don't know, first of all, what is going on and second of all, how to deal with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think that that's something we can dive in a little bit because you can tell a little bit about your background like what is so to say your title and what you've like um learned or studied but um with that it's like how crazy it is that actually I feel like 
somehow the school system can also make us more stupid. And what I mean with that is that it takes us really far away from the very basic knowledge what we would need to learn, like communication, like self-management, how to deal with stress, how to deal with relationships, how to deal with taxes, money, like all of this. And it's like just bringing our focus into languages and different like academic practices that in the end of the day will be part of your career but not everybody's everyday life or ordinary. So it is kind of crazy. Yes, it is. I agree. Well, um, to answer your question, I am a constellation therapist and systemic coach. And I have worked for almost seven years now um, with constellation therapists and with different clients And my big, big goal is to give efficient tools to people of how to create a state in their life that is pleasurable and authentic, right? Because I'm just obsessed with this new age understanding of the human being. Mm -hmm. And because I myself obviously come from a set of symptoms and struggles I had my whole life up to the point that every therapist told me that it's a miracle that I didn't end up like in a psychiatrist ward or something I was trying my whole life to find out what is the solution to my feelings right and Mm. um, throughout this journey I discovered that there are some tools who that work better than others and more profound and sustainable than others. And I am completely obsessed with those tools. And some of them that I found along my way, I am using in working with my clients of helping them to create the life that they are actually longing for and the clarity mm-hmm. that and the empowerment that they want to have over their life. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> and um, to answer your second question about the school system, I am still trying to grasp it, to be honest, to see um, what my position is on it, because I do believe that, um, as I said, for me, when I was in school, even back then, I remember I was 16 years old, the first time when I thought, when I am an adult, I want to go through schools and explain to people what I want to hear right now. Because what Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear back then when I was 16 was why my body and mind and heart was all the time in pain and why because of that I couldn't concentrate on the school right because I was always kind of like a good student and all my teachers said the same that I'm wasting my potential right and I know it I knew that I in a sense I know that I'm smart but I also couldn't really study properly because I was just struggling mentally so much and nobody in my entire life ever addressed the mental state of it nobody Mm. said well she's really smart let's look why she can why doesn't she have like the proper resources to be a good student right Mm. everybody was putting it on I am too lazy I am not interested I am not motivated enough when what was actually going on was like huge anxiety and depression inside of me that was just not diagnosed properly because nobody saw it and nobody had the knowledge to see it right 
Mm. This is why I believe that a trauma-informed world would change a lot because then we wouldn't like yeah we wouldn't just be so blind towards what people are actually going through um and addressing the root cause of the things instead of just putting labels on it like she's just like not a good student or she's just lazy and um yeah and this is what i believe would change a lot if you would if somebody would have like stand in front of me when i was 16 years old and talking to the class about that sometimes when we are not able to show up in our life it's because we don't feel well right just this one sentence would have changed a lot instead of because it would mean that somebody saw that it's because of my internal struggles rather than because i'm just not like um how do you say it not determined enough right we Mm. all focus on determination and on you just need to work harder instead of looking at the authentic resources of a human being and what they are capable of doing and i believe this is a lack of education a lack of Mm. like understanding of mental health and incorporating mental health and trauma theory in our society Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like, that's a story that a lot of people can resonate with. Um, Because if that wasn't you, there was definitely a person in your class that was blamed about not being a good student or being the bully or being this or that or being the nerdy one or the silent one or not good in sports. And, And that's why I think school is really rough place because... There's just like your performance is recorded through numbers, grades. And if you get bad grades, it's like you are a lazy or bad person or not good enough. Like it's it's so like zero to hundred kind of a system. And that the other students don't even have obviously the empathy. And it's like just that you want to be one of the best or you want to be one of the coolest. And when you make it, that's okay. Um, and I think that that has come into the adult life as well to just be like, if someone is acting out, you can say that you don't like accept what they're doing, but you also bring the understanding and the consciousness into there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And it doesn't straight away mean that they're a bad person. Um, and I think that this can be so healthy to see within your friends and relationships and workplace to just be like instead of naming and titling someone to be something ask what is their true story it is really easy to like blame the person without knowing their story so you just see how they're acting or how they are doing or treating other people. And then you're just like, oh, that person is so stupid or that person is so this and that without yeah. knowing what's really going behind. And I understand it's of course you see that they are acting in a way that triggers you. So you, you're going to like name them to something. That's what people do, like name, name things what they see and name people. But it's just like kind of um sad that some people get blamed you know to be so nerdy or introverted or not good at this or that without actually knowing what's their story and that we have labeled that some features of people 
is worse than others. Like introverted people is seen not as strong than extroverted people. Or the people that are good at sports are usually more cooler people in the schools than the people that are good at academics. And it's just like we are put into this really rough world of school where it's like a wild world that you need to got just survive. And also the other students usually don't have empathy for the other students. Like it's also a fight between the students and not just like that the school system itself is like, okay, are you good enough? If you're good at school, you're good enough. But if you're not good at school, work harder or do differently or do better um and it's yeah it's a it's a rough world and I think that it leaves a lot of trauma for a lot of people and school years of course depending on which country you are in but it's a many years so it's a many years of affecting your mental health and your well-being and your image and everything the view of the world yeah I agree the main problem here is like a lot of things that are working against our mental health in society, which is that is a very narrow, very small um, area of permission. And what I mean by that is that mm. the school system is built on one type, like on a very narrow type of person and personality and learning style, right? So it yeah. depends on how close you are to this to this spectrum and if you're a person who can easily follow those rules of this spectrum then you're good at school but if you're a little bit yeah. outside of the spectrum if you're a little bit a different learner if you're a little bit a different personality that for example cannot sit still for 6 hours a day and just listen as a kid you will have troubles right so but if you're a kid who can like do that you're labeled as smart and the other kid who just doesn't have the set of mm. like personality traits or nature just in themselves um or curiosity about those certain like elements in the spectrum then they are like outcasted then they are labeled right and this is what is frustrating to me to hear, or in general about the school system. It's that it's the, this very narrow, this very small, thin kind of road of permission where this is accepted and everything else on the spectrum is not accepted. And mm. we build a lot, a, a big part of our self-worth and confidence in this society on this narrow path. And this is why it's so detrimental for me because we build our confidence and our identity in our teenage years and if you're on the spectrum a little bit more creative more free more wild then it crushes your confidence because society tells you then that something is wrong with you because you're not you, do, you don't fit enough in this narrow path that is accepted in the school system and this is what bothers me because I have a lot of friends, a lot of dear people around me who now lately also have signs of ADHD, which they, when they told mm. me like how, how they were struggling, it's obvious to me when you talk to them that there's nothing wrong with them in particular. They're some of the smartest people out there, but their confidence is often just very hurt because they believe that they are not 
good enough. They're not worthy enough. They don't have what it takes in this world because they struggled in school so much, right? When there's actually nothing wrong with them. Mm. They just need a different type of learning and growing and understanding the world than what the school system provides. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so true. And it's like... um it's in a way sad because I feel like maybe there is coming more awareness into that, but it's like a really hard shift from the first years, at least in Finnish school system is like more like drawing and like playful things and a lot of arts and stuff like that. But more and more and more the years come more and more, it becomes just like black and white text and you need to write long essays and you need to study a long time and you get like books that are this big and it's just like what I felt was that it stole my freedom not that it brought more freedom of getting so educated which is the conception is like hey you're so educated you should be so thankful about that because some people don't get education especially free education it's like I am thankful that I got the basic skills of how to read how to write how to express how to learn like obviously to learn about the world like environment and stuff like that but I also were pushed really really hard I I gained the burnout in the last years of high school because I tried to just be the 10 out of 10 student and I lost myself for school it's it, like school should be something that you are like wow I'm learning but it becomes this like I have to, I have to succeed. I have to get good numbers. I need to get good grades and people will value you more or less depending of your grades. Mm. And especially I felt huge pressure from my family. And um, that was also my way to gain attention. I remember that when my parents were like really bad and they were fighting a lot, I was like, mom, mom, look, I got a 10 out of 10. Like, wow. And that was like the way to be seen and to be valued through my parents. And later on, I understood how many people do that. How many people go and get like a really good career to be appreciated by their parents. Or that they're going to go and reach their mom's dream to be a doctor, or their dad's dream to be a lawyer. And to just be like, look, mom, look, dad. But later on, I understand that this wasn't my dream. This wasn't my dream to go into the good school. This wasn't my dream to get the best education in the world and pay like thousands of euros for this. Like my dream was to go and backpack in Thailand, you know? So it's like, that's the thing that what we also value. We value and back in the days you didn't get a, you didn't get a good job if you didn't have a good papers. Um, and that's something that I am so happy that it's changing, that we're getting more and more like digital nomads. We're getting more and more like this, uh, that you can start your own business and you can go and get a good job without even having the best papers. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really thankful about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, as as everything in life, it's like, of course, like it's never black and white, right? And mm-hmm. of course the school system itself as it is brought us a lot um, of benefits too, right? And it is also, mm-hmm. of course, we cannot talk about education without talking about privilege, but um, I think that there are like a lot of nuances to it that that are just important to be seen in society, right? Mm-hmm. While understanding the benefits and everything, it's also important to just see the people in it who are really struggling in it, right? And 
as everything in life, I think it's about holding both polarities and understanding that both can be true, that you can be grateful and benefit a lot from it while also seeing that it took a big mental toll on your on your system and on your happiness and your yeah health in general to go through the system that brought you so far right so mm. about both yeah and if i think back now i would say there's also a lot about your own attitude because my attitude was like to be the best student as possible, get the best number. So of course I pushed myself a lot. And now if I would give one tip for my younger self in the school years, I would say do average. Like that is enough to do the average, get the average numbers, get the average grades, you know, don't be the best, don't be the worst, like do your best, you know, and also allow yourself if you're going through a harder time, like you're having more harder time in your family or your own mental state, like, obviously, your numbers will drop. And so what? Like, it's like, I remember that my teachers were saying that this, this is like, your life depends on this, you know, kind of like putting this added, like, what grade you get from this test will depend what high school you will apply. And it was just like, my whole life is in test in this test kind of attitude. And now I'm like, calling it out that's fucking bullshit you know and it's like even though you can get good numbers even though you work your ass off it still doesn't guarantee that you will get into the best school it is super fucking hard to get into the best schools and it will be super fucking hard to stay in the schools are you able to do it of course if it's your dream do it but it's like that self-pushing brought me into the the burnout and to be 60 year old and have a burnout of a high school is a bit of a ridiculous for me, but it, it was the case and yeah. and that can happen. So it's not, I'm like, it's not worth it. Like when you're 16, like go and discover the world, enjoy, enjoy your friends, enjoy, enjoy like learning about yourself, learning about your environment, learning about this world and what is possible and not drown yourself on this paperwork, on the, the, the numbers on paper, like, in the end of the day, it's it's just a paper, you know? Yeah. It will give you possibilities, sure, but it's just a paper and numbers on paper. It doesn't define your value. Yeah, <laughs> but I think what you are saying right now is just a big transformation of the younger generations, right? Like mm -hmm. the awareness shift that is happening of what we expect from life. Because, of course... Like, again, it's a privileged thing to say it doesn't matter because it means that if you don't have school, you also have different opportunities in life. And a lot of people don't have those other opportunities in life. But the only way is literally just the grades, right? So mm. it's also a matter of privilege to say, like, I don't care about the paper, which I think at that time in our generation in the Western world where we are living it in, we do have those privileges because of this new age like movement of the like digital nomadism social media like all those things that we can gather a lot of possibilities now over the internet which the young the older generations didn't have the literal yeah. path was like school right but what we are we too like you and me are right now talking about is i think just a very current topic in the shift of of um generations right mm. and because back then there was also no like knowledge and priority about 
life quality, right? Because what you are saying right now is basically, well, of course, I, do, I shouldn't push myself for the grades if like there's more to life, right? If there's more to life of enjoying life, being more like gentle to yourself, you know, and those are all almost like mental health topic and life quality topic, which I think in the older generations, people didn't even see that there is a thing like mental health, right? It was just pushing through. It was just achieving because it was just in the time that the older generations were living, it made the most sense, right? Mm. And now we just develop a society in a sense. We don't need to fight anymore for physical safety, which the old, older generations did, you and me and the younger generations, we feel already that the physical safety is there and we have possibilities to hold it. Now it's about the next stage, which is obviously the, okay, now I have safety, but I feel like crap, what is happening? This is almost how I see the new mm-hmm. evolving, right? Because yeah. also science in general, like I have a big opinion on that, that I think that like until now in science, we look we always looked for physical health and physical safety because it's the base of the of the uh, need pyramid, you know? And mm. until now, like scientists worked so hard to build up our physical safety. This is why we can be like almost 100 years old now because we've worked so much mm. on building the security, the physical security inside of our and outside of ourselves. And now that we have it, I think the natural next evolution in science is but why does everybody feel like crap, right? So the next step is, <laughs> is, okay, but something is missing here. And the missing link here, the next logical exploration is the emotional body, which was not looked at until now, which is normal because this is how the, the pyramid works. First, we need to secure safety. Then we can think about the next step, which is our emotional needs and relationships. Mm. Yeah, and... Yeah, and thank God for that. I think it's very necessary. And um, this is like, I want to talk about the shift in consciousness. Uh, but to get like what, what rose up from what you said was like, we are still kind of like, I'm thinking about that mental awareness was back in the days. So if we think about systems like yoga or Chinese medicine, it was very much like mind-body connection. So it's like we forgot that information and started to just focus on the survival and the physical, like you said, physical health. And now we're bringing back, like we know, like a huge movement in wellness and huge movement in mental health of meditation, yoga, mindfulness practices, how to do this and that. And for example, therapy is getting more and more normal and thank God for that as well. So it's like, it's interesting to also see how all parents and grandparents and back in there maybe didn't have the awareness, but if we go down, 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 down on the history, there was very much the awareness. So it's like, where did it get forgotten and why it got forgotten and how did we need to kind of re like find this thing? And like, because it's not new information, right? We are actually like studying um, books and writings from thousands of years, you know? Yeah, I love the perspective. It's a very good question, right? Because obviously in the Eastern traditions, especially it was like super common. And then something happened in history, right? Like a big set of things that, that made us focus or made us 
like forced us to focus first on safety because the whole movement that we have right now about well-being is only possible because we are not in a danger zone, right? If we would have yeah. danger zone and war would come, nobody would give a fuck about therapy, right? Because you first need to secure your your like safety and your life. And because we come from from generations and generations of world wars, right? And it's so close to us. Our the older generations had different priorities. This is what I mean by that. They first needed to secure a lot of physical things so that we, our generation, is secure enough to think about wellness, right? Mm. So, you know, this is what I mean with like having an opinion about it. I think that when I look historically of why mental health is only now coming up and why it's such a big topic in our generation, I think this is a big part of it. Why? Yeah. why is that? And I think this is beautiful, Bridge, about talking... I can express my experience with constellation therapy. But before I'm telling my experience, can you tell for the listeners, like, what is constellation therapy? Yeah. So first of all, it's very abstract to explain what it is, but I will try my best as always in the most simple way. But I always say that if you have a chance to experience one, to go and participate in one, then I really invite you to go and see for yourself because it's for me the perfect bridge between science and magic, right? Because um, it is scientifically proven that it works, but it is not scientifically proven why those mechanisms work as well as they do. And what I mean by that is that you can imagine it like a theater play where we sit in a group and you bring your topic and then you choose people from this group to play out elements of the topic. So if you come because you are wanting to resolve your childhood trauma, we would pick somebody to play you, somebody to play your mom and somebody to play your dad. And then we put them into the field, like in the middle of the room and they start acting. And the funny thing and very interesting thing that starts happening is that those actors, even though they never heard from you before, um, they will start developing a very, very similar dynamic to your actual family. And this, this, element this phenomenon is not proven yet like why is it happening and I'm doing this in seven years and I can tell you that like 100% in every single constellation every single client said this is exactly how my dad talks this is exactly how my mother (laughs) is this is exactly our relationship to it right so this is the short explanation of constellations yes and I fucking love it um when I heard about the first time, so when we started work together um, and we had like one-on-one sessions, I was a bit hesitant of like, I was curious about how constellation therapy works, but I was like, mm, I'm not so sure, like, will it be my thing? Do I believe in it 100% or whatever? But the first time when we had it, I was like thousand percent convinced after that session, I was like, this shit is great. But the story that I want to share in here was that our second constellation therapy um, or session, um, we had the symptom therapy, which I think was amazing. So um, I've shared here in the podcast before that for the last five years or so, I've struggled with um, like hormonal acne and it's been affecting a lot my self-confidence it's affects a lot of things and I've tried a million different things and that's why I came with you and I said I want to have a system 
or constellation therapy about this and I want to go through like what could be the root cause of this uh, symptom. And when we entered the session, I was like, I have no expectations out of this session because like, how can I like hear the story of my goddamn acne through this like a uh, constellation <laughs> therapy? Um, but when the other people took the roles and we started the session, I had like what I experienced as the constellation therapy is like, I go into this very meditative state. I mean, you do meditation in the beginning, but it's like, it feels like I'm connected to something that I cannot name. So it's like connection to, to something. And when I am looking at the other people, when you are guiding them through this therapy session and this kind of play, it's like so vivid how, like you said, like, the person who was playing my dad, like the nuances of how she spoke was like exactly how my dad speaks. And it's like the, the, the words she chose to say, it's like, it was like crazy. It brought so much chills in my body, brought into this like crazy state of like, how is this possible that I feel like my dad is there, even though I see that it's her. Like, it's a person I've never met before, but she's taking this role of my dad. Like, it is crazy, but it is so healing. And that's what I think that why I think constellation therapy is one of the most healing modalities of therapy that I have experienced is because you are seeing your feelings and life happenings in front of you, playing out in a very safe space. And it's people that have so much compassion to your story and wants to understand your story and wants your best healing. And that's like, after these sessions, I felt like you said, it is like energetic healing that happens without you doing anything afterwards. And that's what I definitely felt like that there was just this huge burden taken out of my shoulders to know more about my story. And what came out of this constellation therapy session, what we had was that actually my symptom of acne, yeah, I am experiencing it but that symptom is down the line on my ancestors. And that's something that I thought it could be also so interesting to talk about that what we are experiencing as a health system might not be caused by us. It can be caused by something that our ancestor experienced. Mm. Um, so, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it when people share the same, like I couldn't stop nodding my head all the time you you talked because it was just like, I love it when people um, just get, get it about like constellations and the magic of it, right? And I'm also still so passionate about this technique. Um, and yeah, to answer your question, I think that um, what happens is there was like this experiment that I love to share about the biggest one that was done on transgenerational trauma where they they had mice and every time the mice mm. would smell would smell cherry blossom um it was cherry blossom they got like an electric shock so after a time obviously their body associated 
like the the smell of cherry blossom with pain and even mm. after the cherry blossom um even after the shock like the the shock um that they gave them was not there every time they would smell the cherry blossom they got like an anxiety inside of their body right like a little kind of fear response because they associated the smell with the pain and the interesting fact was that after that like seven generation of mice after this one first mice experienced every time uh anxiety a response to the smell of cherry blossom even though they never had any negative experience with cherry blossom right so mm-hmm. this is the biggest explanation of of constellation and transgenerational trauma is that even like when we have a safety response inside of us because of danger it is part of our nature to to give that to the next generation so they are more careful right mm-hmm. the problem now is that we have survival mechanisms from our from our great grandparents who were in war right because like the last world war is not so far away so we all carry response responses of survival in us that are not um that are not relational to the life that we live right now but we still have them mm-hmm. we still have those anxieties we still have those depression this like problems in relationships whatever it manifests in that doesn't have a lot to do sometimes with what we have experienced but more of the pattern that we care that we carry from our um past generations yeah i mean that experience is like so interesting and it makes sense like it makes sense in evolution and stuff like exactly like why would you need to learn that cherry blossom is not good for you (laughs) if like your ancestor already learned it but like you said it can be go into the negative way of that something that doesn't anymore really like benefit you it's just it's so integrated in your body and that's why I think it's so interesting I have found so many answers to my own um patterns or especially negative patterns or negative thoughts or something when I look just my parents or my grandparents and I have lately asked so many questions about my great-grandparents when my grandparents are still alive like where did they come from how was their life what did they do how was their relationship you know all of these questions because it tells so much because that's of course those patterns are um not gifted but they they will come after again and again and again before someone says no that's it so there's one pattern that I feel like I am working so hard towards too and that is that down the line which is probably many story of women is that there was no woman in my closest ancestral line who had the full responsibility of themselves meaning that they had full financial freedom and full like a uh, freedom of saying no especially to their partners and to to break up when the partner was treating them unwell and that's something that I have felt when I look down the line and I see she didn't have the freedom she didn't have the freedom and she didn't have the freedom I'm gonna be the one who's gonna say that's it (laughs) and it's not easy 
But I am saying that I don't know will I ever have kids. But what I know is that I did my part to stop these negative patterns going down the line again and again and again. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think this is a big part that needs to be seen too, like the systemic part that you just mentioned of when you're trying to build your independent life, it's not only about challenging yourself and only about mindset and only about getting out of comfort zone but it's also about understanding that the forces that hold you back from being independent are sometimes also just systemic in a sense that those invisible forces are so used to keep you safe that you also need to consider that you're going against those forces this is also why it's so hard to to break out of this pattern right because it's mm. like breaking the pattern on so many levels, not only on yourself, but also really systemically and transgenerationally. So, um, yeah, I think a big part of it is compassion towards towards the work that women like you are doing and mm -hmm. the incredible effort it takes and all the capacities it takes to break free from from those patterns that are invisible, literally. There are like, you, only you are the one who can feel how how much time you need for it and how much effort you need to really break out of it. And it's almost like a full-time job, right? It yes. really takes up so much capacity to break cycles. This is why, yeah, I'm also very passionate about the slow living, right? And the soft mm. living and the, all those like de-hustling kind of ways of our culture because in the bubble that I live with all those people who work so hard on self-development and mental health it's literally they just need a different life you cannot have a full-time management job and work so hard on your own system and breaking patterns and healing from all those things so yeah I just want to congratulate also you for the work that you are doing because I have been also seeing it over the last years and it's mm. remarkable it's so much more than than it seems from the outside and I think it's mm. important it's important that it's seen too yeah I'm tearing up a little bit but <laughs> what I wanted to say was like the thing is that a lot of us don't even though we can see that this pattern is over and over again repeating itself or it's toxic it doesn't bring good and we can't even control the pattern it's like we don't know other way we don't have tools to change it and I remember so clearly the moment when I was like yeah but I don't have so bad childhood I don't think I need therapy I don't think I need to like check into my patterns and stuff and now working with you what like two three years I like mind blown how much there is stuff to go through and especially like it's now exactly a year ago I broke up from my last partner and to understand that even that breakup has taken a year to heal I'm not still fully over it yeah there is like different stages of it but like that's something that if something like that takes a year to heal and then I have all the ancestral trauma, like that's a lot. Like you said, it's a full-time job. And anytime when I have something that I am really going through and really working on, let's say that we have a really heavy therapy session, 
it takes two, three days, like you said, emotional hangover. Like it's like when your system brings it up, you have this whole body pain or you have migraine or you have period pain or you have some other symptom that comes up when that pain is released or it's recognized. And that's something they like, you need to give space. And then if you would need to write this long essay or hustle with work, it's like impossibility. So I also think that it's so beautiful to come in this space. If I agree and take this journey of healing, it is a commitment. And that commitment takes effort, it takes time, and sometimes it takes even investment, resources from you. And it is a choice. It's a goddamn beautiful choice, but it's not an easy choice. It's not like healing is easy thing that you just go to the therapy and voila, you become this enlightened person like it is it is work (laughs) yeah and it is the most rewarding work i know right so this is the the big element of it is that like the privilege that we have today in this generation Mm -hmm. is to decide where we put the effort in right because some people put the effort into just like denying and pushing and career and whatever And we have the flexibility to say, I'm not going to choose those things first, right? First, I'm going to choose my mental health and I'm going to invest and put my energy into this um, challenge because what I want out of it is this life quality. And I think that a lot of people in our generation choose the life quality over success and recognition, And I mean, ideally, it would be if we would have kind of like both, but this is like another topic. But I Mm -hmm. think that what a lot of people do right now is to prioritize how we feel in our bodies and how we feel about life rather than how it looks like. And Mm -hmm. the work that you just mentioned, I think, is it's it's like alchemy, right? It's like alchemizing so many things into a state of your life where you are genuinely there with your heart and with your body and really just happy to be there with all its ups and downs. And the feeling that you get out of this work is for me priceless. It's, I always say like Mm -hmm. investing into mental health and self-development is better than any other investment you can do financially for me but this is because I have a certain set of priorities and morals in my life that I'm sure is not um for everybody like that so Mm. yeah yeah but I think that this kind of um when you become more and more aware and more and more conscious and more and more healed it's like you are uplifting your life quality so much more than you could with any material things because then it doesn't anymore depend so much about your environment because in you you feel so much better and I think the biggest blessing for me with this therapy work has been how I handle life So any kind of problems in relationships were with myself, with my family, those have changed. And all relationships are one of the biggest um, 
factors that affects onto your happiness and how do we feel about living in this world and that's I think the biggest piece to to just see even myself like whoa I handled that so different than I handled it five years ago and it's just because of my consciousness and awareness has shifted and the the that I've learned skills how to to deal with those patterns and it's not just how to deal with my own patterns but how to deal with other people and in different situations and I personally just find it so interesting and so valuable definitely yeah and I think it's literally like as you said as a matter of skills this is why Mm -hmm. I think the education to come back to what we said in the beginning like the education part in schools i think it's really a matter of people just not knowing how we work and how we function and this is my passion in life is to i really believe that half of of the work is just making people understand how we function and once they understand that that they have so much more control and so much more awareness and flexibility and choice right because there are people who are 70 years old who still don't have the skills you are talking about because if you don't put effort in learning it or if there's nobody to explain it to you there are people who are as i said like 50 60 70 who are less mature um than people who are 20 who have done the work right yeah, yeah. so it's literally about how much access do you have to those tools that the emotional body needs to mature and to heal. And some people are still stuck in their trauma because there was never access um, or education to what it means to be stuck in trauma. They just thought it's just life, right? It's mm. just what it is. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hear a lot, especially from people who are on their 40s or 50s or even 60s, like, how come just you are so mature? And like, how come you're so wise? And it's just like, yeah, because I committed to do the work. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I committed to. When I was 14, I picked my first self-help book and started a journal and started to understand my mind, started to understand my thoughts, my patterns, and get really curious. And and also determined to say, I want to heal this shit. Like, I don't want to flash out on these situations or I don't feel good when I get triggered on that. I want to find out the root cause. And and I think that that's also so necessary. You can't um, force anyone to go to therapy or read the goddamn self-help book or do any kind of mindfulness practices. That motivation needs to come from that person itself because that person I don't think can really heal without having the hope and want and understanding themselves like no I I want to go in the bottom of these things and it also requires so much uh, bravery to look at in you and look at those patterns it's so much more easier to just push out the pay with all kinds of distractions and all kind of different drugs and things that just brings your mind elsewhere than just actually look those inner monsters and demons eye to eye and say, hello, my name's Jess. Who are you and where you come from? (laughs) To just have the chat, it requires bravery. And first, it can be shit. But also, sometimes when I have looked at my biggest demons, I'm like, really? 
that was you all the time. <laughs> like, you know, it can be actually really not a small thing, but like a silly thing. Like, because of this and this, I have struggled all these years of that as like, God, if I would have known about that, I wouldn't have been with that person or I wouldn't have accept that kind of behavior or whatever. So it just brings your life quality so much more up when you can start to have awareness of your own patterns and where they come from. Yeah. I was talking to my sister lately and I'm thinking about our this conversation for three days already because we were talking mm-hmm. about what I think is the reason for people who have the privilege to get themselves support and help, why they are not doing it, even mm-hmm. though they have visible consequences of the trauma in their life, right? right? And what I'm talking about are those people who very like vividly have troubles in relationships, have troubles in um, how they feel about life, struggling for mental health, but also having the resources, like the money and time to actually go to somebody to help them, right? And those are the people right. usually who say, well, I don't believe in therapy or like, mm-hmm. you know, those things are not for me. And since then, I'm, I'm thinking about if I can really grasp the reason of why people don't make the shift, because it's not only, it wouldn't only be beneficial for them, but for everyone around them. Because people who are stuck in those like trauma responses usually hurt also people around them, right? With the trauma responses. So I was yeah. wondering and thinking about it for three three days now, like what it really is, if I can pinpoint what it is that that would maybe help them to make the shift or, you know, because it's not about, of course, we need to mm. respect different destinies and different systems. And just because we are in this bubble of mental health, it doesn't mean that it actually is beneficial maybe for everybody. Or, you know, like while I try to accept the choices and destinies of other people, I'm also wondering what it really is that doesn't make them make the step. And Mm. I think obviously like everything, it's a more complex answer. And I think that it's a matter of as you also said, like resources, because as you shared, like healing takes time and it takes effort and it takes a mm. lot of resources from you that you need to invest first. So what I'm thinking is, first of mm. all, not everybody has those resources. And like mm. what I'm also thinking is like, yeah, maybe just people want to stay stuck in it because it gives them, of course, comfort. It gives them control. Yes. It gives them security. And it's their choice to to stay in this comfort because it's always a price you need to pay, right? So when you're choosing the healing work, you need to pay the price of deconstructing your ego and deconstructing who you thought you were. And you need bravery to face the truth of your family, of yourself, of navigating this knowledge that you gain. And some people just don't want to pay the price for it, you know? But I'm still wondering if... A part of it is just education, you know? So the the idealist in me, like, wants almost to find a way how I could approach those people to make the shift inside of their mind so they understand that they, if they have the resources for it, they could go and it will make them better. Because, you know, like, I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still not clear on the dynamic if I just... If, if people should just leave people or if it's just a matter of of 
bringing more education out there so that people understand that there is another way than what they are living, you know? Yeah. I like the first word that comes into my mind is fear. Yeah. Because like you said, it is a groundbreaking. Your world, what you knew, yeah. what you grew up with, the world image, the world around you is going to change. And that is scary because like the math is taken under you and you need to discover again who you really are, who your family really are. How, how is the world? How is the people? How's the relationships? And And that's something that's also like, I have seen, you know, people from my family that I thought was super nice person or was this or that completely changed after I learned about some certain mental state or patterns or even mental illnesses and just be like, whoa, you know, and that's, it's, it, like I said, it requires bravery, but what I also think is the normalizing it we are normalizing it more and more but people don't want to be maybe labeled that oh I'm a crazy person I go to therapy or something like that and I think it's also what we can see if I don't know the statics but what I've seen in my own life it's mostly uh people who defines themselves as a woman that goes to therapy it's still like a bigger step as a, a person who defines as a man to go there as like uh, oh like, ah, uh, I'm not an emotional, I'm not a crybaby. Like, I don't need to hear to talk with someone about my problems. Like, I can do it myself, you know? I can deal with these problems myself. But it's like, you can't deal with a problem if you don't have a solution or if you don't even see the problem. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I do believe that if it would make it more accessible, more normal, like, in, it's, it's normal to go and talk yeah. about it and that you can even... Yeah, to make it accessible. I think that would be a big answer to it. I think so too, because this is why I'm questioning if you would name three people to this person who doesn't want to change and tell them, look, you just need to call them. They're accessible and they will solve your problem and make everything like, you know, they will make your relationships better. They will make your mental health better and they will make your life quality better. You know, like I'm quite... if if they would then maybe choose to do it, if they would know that this is the outcome. I mean, we cannot guarantee that because therapy doesn't work on everybody, right? There are like people mm. out there who just, you know, need different tools, have, you know, have a lot of disappointment around going to uh, therapy in general. But I believe it's a matter of the right practitioner for you, the right tools and the understanding, the logical understanding that it works. Because when people say, I don't believe in therapy, it's like, mm. it's not a religion, it's science, right? It's like saying, it's like saying, I don't believe in medicine, right? When obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's there, it can help you. It's just a matter of if it's the right tool for you or not. So um, yeah. yeah, it's it's more complicated. I will need to, to chew on it for a couple of more, like weeks <laughs> and months and maybe even years to grasp what I can contribute to this world to make people decide or have even like a clear path on what would help them to improve their lives and relationships in general. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to lift from what you said earlier on about the comfort as well, because I mean, for example, now we know that smoking is not good for you. Like scientifically, we have 
proved about what smoking can affect your health, but still a lot of people does it. So it's like we have the information, but still people choose to do it. And then we can question why. I mean, there is no one answer to it, but one of the things as well, because it helps with their pain or it helps with their stress or they're addicted to nicotine or whatever. So it's like, that's, I think, is like what we can also bring the therapy in. You want to stay in the comfort. Like it's so much more easier to go with your old patterns than question it or to start healing or start to change. Like you can have a symptom, like how many people just take a one pill to just quiet their symptom, right? Like instead of going to the root cause of the um, symptom, it's so much more easier to take that pill, what your doctor gives to you, rather than ask, where is this pain coming from? Why my body is constantly bringing this and then this and this thing as a symptom up um yeah and I don't think we even have in the medical world again we're coming back to the money body mind connection most of western world doctors don't question why is your arm hurting they're giving the cure that is going to cure the pain but not where it all started not in all cases but in some cases, and this is obviously just like symbolism to all kinds of different symptoms. Yeah, I see. So it's almost like saying some people like to choose comfort over pain. So they rather live with the pain, but when they have comfort, then actually looking at the pain and letting go of the comfort. Because when you look at the pain and really try to, to work on it, you lose some comfort and some like yeah comfort in the known that you knew so far yeah and these fast fixes you know like I can maintain this pain it's maintainable that's something that I've also heard from from a actually person that is in our close family circle he was struggling a lot with IBS and having like a lot of pain and he was like it's okay I just take a painkiller I'm like no but this pain is gonna come back and back and back like let's go to the root cause you know but it is easier to again to take the painkiller then start to understand what foods affected or when did it start and why it started. And, you know, obviously now this is an example because, for example, IBS is really complex in itself. But it's just that mentality of this pain is maintainable and it is easier to stay into the knowledge that I have now and the comfort of the knowledge and the world understanding than start to question everything and what if because then it's unknown it's it's a threat for a system right to step into unknown like you don't go into the black cave you don't know if there's a beer or if there's some other danger right so it's it's better to stay in the daylight where you can see where you where you know your environment rather than into to go into the unknown unknown territories (laughs) yeah i agree yeah yeah this is super important chat and I wanted to close this conversation with um, telling about what are your offers. So if people want to reach out to you and they got interested about constellation therapies and everything, would you like to know how they can reach you and what are your offers? 
Um, I think the easiest one is over Instagram. I'm still playing around with it because social media is... I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I think uh, Instagram is the best way to reach me because there I'm trying my best to um, talk a lot about the topics we just also talked today about and bring a lot of awareness and education about healing in general for the people who are interested in the path. And my offers are, I work in group constellations, like the method that we just shared today, but mostly I work online in private sessions where I use, as I mentioned, different tools that in my experience work the best and literally go to the root cause of things. Because you just mentioned that like some people like to just fix symptoms and I am not the coach for that, right? I am mm -hmm. the coach for, for people who really want to do the sustainable work in a sense of really going deep going through the healing, but then also healing it sustainably for your future and having a long-term um, confidence and awareness over your system and who you are as a person. And yeah, I do that with those, with those tools in my private sessions. Those are the main, the main offers I have. Yeah, and I can highly, highly recommend your services. I seriously think that I've, I've worked also with other therapists and what I really love about Tamara's work is like your approach to it because I know that we've talked about it one-on-one -on -one before, but what I think is really special about your approach is that you really put your heart into it. It's like you are so like genuinely interested about at least I felt like my story and it's like you are there truly listening because what my experience was with other therapists is that they are there, but it's not like they're present. They're there like writing their notes mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and how did that make you feel? Mm -hmm, and what does your mom say? And it's just like, it feels like I'm chatting with the chat bot, you know? And it's like, no, I want to chat with the human who's like asking these juicy questions. Well, when your mom did that, how did that make you feel? And how did your dad react to that? So it's like you are drawing these concepts that already in my head, I just in the mid in between our sessions or in the middle of a session, I'm like, holy fuck. Like I get these understanding myself, you know? And it's like really rewarding because you're not just giving me answers like, okay, it's probably this and that. It's just like you with your skills make me understand myself about my system and about my patterns and that's going to help me so much more than you just naming out things but what you do do is that you do help name things that I had no name for so it's like okay when she does this pattern it is actually abusive or when she does this pattern it's actually narcissistic or something like that that I get the concept in my head that when the next time it happens I'm like hang on this is gaslighting and when I can name that hey this is a gaslighting it's so much more easier to go on than just say this feels wrong but I don't know why then I don't trust my own system but when I have named it and said this is gaslighting I'm like uh-uh so it's not just bad feeling in my body it's something that can be written and has an actual term to it so I have to also say that if you as a listener have a chance to go and participate in Tamara's constellation therapy 
take that chance. You do sometimes the online sessions. And I think with your newsletter from your website, you can um, get the information from the newest constellation therapy as well on your Instagram. And to just say that even participating as one of the, I don't know what is the term for it, like one of the persons that is not actually um, just a participator, right? Not the person who is mm-hmm. the subject of the therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how can I say that? Yeah, yeah. The client and the partic- uh, participants. Yeah. Yeah. So even as a participator, you're going to get a really great insight and that's usually much more affordable and um I have been also a participator and just got a like thousand like chills through my body when I've been just understanding um the other person's story and playing part of her story and also there was one time in constellation therapy when the people the clients that were going through the therapy they had so similar stories that I did that it almost felt like it was my therapy session even though it wasn't so that's something that is also really cool yeah we always say there's always a reason why you have been chosen for a role right because this is why um, I think it's a good reminder to tell people that they can also just come and be a participant right because you don't need to to have any skill set or any experience you can literally just come if you feel called to and participate and you can't you can't do anything right or wrong I will guide you through everything and it will be one of the most mind-blowing experiences of your life I guarantee that if you have never been there this is the biggest feedback I have from all of my (laughs) constellations so um, I invite everybody who feels called to to join and also knowing that as a participant, you need to pay because you always resolve something for yourself too, or you always gain something for yourself too. So either you resolve it mm-hmm. by resolving it as a role in your own body, or you gain a set of qualities like emotional understanding, awareness. I had people and participants in Vienna when I was doing it back there that never had their own constellation, but only came to participate. And with that heal so many things and also understand um like it it improves the empathy we have and understanding and intelligence we have about social constructs Mm. and relationships in general so strongly because when you're inside you get it's almost like also part Mm. partly educational to be a participant in another person's stories because as you said oftentimes we all go through the same patterns because we are all human beings trying to live and survive in the society that we are in, right? So a lot of topics are very, very similar to each other. So um, yeah, that's a good reminder. Yeah, I will link your website and Instagram as well. I will link our previous episode and we have also a YouTube video together. <laughs> Not to forget that. <laughs> I think it was a really juicy one because we were I made like a sexual questionnaire that was by the way fucking fantastic I need to do another one where yeah. people around the world reply to questions about sexuality and we went through a few juicy questions from there so uh, even though I think it's like two years ago <laughs> the video was taken but uh, I'm gonna share it as well but thank you Tamara so much for your time uh, and this conversation Thank you so much. It was 
so lovely and it helped me a lot when you said that let's just do it like in a regular session because I could sense myself being like almost in this official podcast position but then I remembered no no how do I actually feel in our sessions and it helped me a lot to just relax into the very very um engaging conversations that we always have together so thank you very much for bringing me here and it was a pleasure thank you Sam. <laughs>